Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? Now we are on YouTube, as well as our normal podcast listening platforms. So for those of you regularly listening on you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it may be, you probably don't understand what we're talking about right now because you can't see us. But for those of you who are listening to our first YouTube podcast, we welcome you here. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Mainstream underscore Mavs. We have everything linked down below. But today, we are going to be getting into some overarching themes to pull from the first 34 games from the Mavericks this season. We'll be getting into Christian Wood's potential contract extension or non-contract extension, how he's fared in this recent stretch, some trade target teams that we could see the Mavericks uh, potentially negotiate as we approach the deadline. We'll also be looking at if the Mavericks even have the assets to pull it off. And we're also going to be looking at the archetype. What kind of player does the Mavericks need to really amplify and bolster their roster, right? Um, Do do they even have the assets to get it? Like I just mentioned a second ago, who knows? Um, You know, we'll be talking very idealistically um, in that segment. But of course, do the Mavericks even have the luxury to operate under an idealistic sense? Um, Who knows? Probably not, right? Um, So we'll be getting into that. Um, We're going to be looking at the next 10 games in this whole January stretch, how we predict the Mavericks to fare. Uh, We'll be looking a little bit ahead to the end of the season. Uh, Not like anything extreme or highly intricate, but we will kind of give a little tentative projection in terms of how the Mavericks are going to fare by the end of the year and how they are going to finish in the Western Conference standings. And then we're going to do a little debrief on every single player so far this season. Uh, even those who were once a Maverick and are now not a Maverick anymore. So that includes the famed Tyler Dorsey <laughs> and Faku Kampazo. I, I almost cuss every time I say Faku on this podcast, and it's completely incidental. It's not by choice. So we're going to be getting into all of these um, sort of big picture topics since we unfortunately had, you know, we we talked about it glowingly in our last podcast, but we had a little bit of a dry spell there. So that's kind of why we're doing this. We were originally kind of going to postpone this podcast about halfway through the season. We still may do another one kind of like this halfway through the season, but we want to get this for this out for the games that we unfortunately were not able to cover. But before we do all of that, and this is not going to apply to those of you on YouTube, you will not have to hear this ad. I'm only going to say this one time. Um, But before we do that, here is an ad from our sponsor anchor. All right, Jaren, so getting into it, the last 10 games, obviously, we've been kind of hard-pressed to cover here over at Mainstream underscore Mavs, but what has been your summation of the last 10 games? You know, we saw Kemba Walker incorporated into the rotation a bit, and subsequently, these last two games, he's kind of been hurt, and they've been trying to – well, not hurt, but they've been managing his knee, and, you know, we have all the narratives regarding – how much you can actually play him and if you know his knee is just going to be too much to bear for him to even get a 15 to 20 minutes consistently on a nightly basis 
We obviously saw Christian Wood get incorporated into the starting lineup in this recent stretch. Admittedly, it was because of injuries to Maxi Kleber and Dwight Powell at the time. You know, we saw Christian Wood start in Minnesota, but he's been starting for about three or four games now. A plethora of Mavericks are hurt. Josh Green has a right elbow sprain, and he is to be reevaluated here in a few days, I believe. But he's been out for two-plus weeks now. Obviously, Maxi Kleber tore his right hamstring, and he's going to be out for six to eight weeks. Um, That was about a week ago. Dorian's dealing with some hip abductor stuff right now. Frank is dealing with some left knee soreness. But the Mavericks somehow, you know, despite most of their losses and, you know, even their wins in this stretch being ugly, um, they've kind of been able to uh, remediate uh, some of these injury woes throughout this last 10-game stretch. And, you know, they're, they're at least treading water. They're 18-16. They're slightly over 500. Um, you know, obviously not where we were hoping they would be at this juncture of the season. Uh, not some sort of idealistic place. And I'm not trying to vouch that they're going to end up higher than where they're at right now. Currently, I believe they're seventh in the West. So, yeah, seventh. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows if they can actually finish higher than that. You know, we've talked at nauseam about how kind of mediocre this roster is and how limited they are in terms of trying to improve or, you know, just improving internally with what they have until some of, you know, Josh Green and Jaden Hardy really try- start to hit that developmental peak, right? Um, but what has been your summation of these last 10 games amidst kind of everything I just mentioned? Yeah, so, I mean, the last 10 games, the Mavericks, of course, 5-5 five and five in this stretch. Um, I think there's some losses here that are kind of, I mean, like the Chicago loss, didn't have Luka. Uh, I mean, that was just overall a bad game, a weird game as well. Uh, Cleveland, you know, we lose 90-105 to 105 and just pretty much a game where we're dominated. Um, and then the Minnesota game, uh, 116 to 106, like those are three losses right there. I think that the Mavericks were just pretty much outclassed in. Um, and again, yeah, what you mentioned, you know, with sort of these past five recent games with this, uh, what are they? Three, three and two in this stretch. Um, but for four games now, I believe it is, uh, I think it was the first Minnesota game. They inserted Christian Wood in the starting lineup due to injury, of course, but it seemingly worked out, you know, they're three and one. Uh, with Christian Wood in the starting lineup, because I, I believe it was that first Minnesota game. Um, but nonetheless, you know, I think, uh, you know, Christian Wood during the um, media day, you know, he mentioned Christmas is kind of where you find your identity. Uh, Christmas is kind of where you find what team you really have. And I don't want to say that we found this team at all, because to be honest, 18 and 16, and it's just been such a rocky season. Uh, I can't say, you know, you don't know your team's identity at this point, but you know, we're on a three win streak, uh, you know, building off a win on Christmas, or I guess we should see if we can build off that win. Um, I just think, you know, the overall summation of the last 10 games is, I feel like it's trending upward, but I don't want to say that yet because again, we felt like this once before and we followed that up with like a four game losing streak. No, hundred percent. I would definitely concur with you there. Because, you know, you have to look at the ways that the Mavericks have won these last 10 games, of course. And, I mean, if we look at just the last three games specifically, I mean, we obviously had that insane Luka 50-point-plus performance versus the Rockets, um, where he basically had to carry the Mavericks against one of the worst teams in the league to even get over the hump. Um, The Mavericks um, in the previous game had a really kind of ugly win over the Timberwolves after that home-and-home with them and a really ugly loss beforehand. And then that Lakers 
win was really emblematic of the whole live and die by the three agenda that the Mavericks have, where they just flip the script completely in the second half and start, you know, positively regret. Um, they have insane positive regression from three and just suit their three point trajectory just goes through the roof in the second half. And, you know, that was a large part to why they won that game. You know, they did, they were able to force some turnovers and do some other things, but I mean, that was obviously the main reason. So they haven't been any, there haven't really been like any sort of statement games or games that I feel like I've learned anything from this roster, really barring that second Cleveland game where everybody to an extent was out and Kemba Walker, you know, ended up scoring 32 points in like 40 minutes or whatever it was. And obviously that was not ideal for, in terms of his knee health and everything. And that's probably the main perpetrator in terms of the reasons that he's had to miss the last two games, of course. Um, But that was like one of the only games where I really saw, you know, a different sort of style to an extent from this team. We saw the tempo increase a little bit with Luca out. And, And I'm not saying that they're a better team without Luca. That's not a, narrative I'm pushing for by any means but that was really the only game I kind of learned anything from this team just the fact that they they can kind of um, mediate the third ball handling situation a little bit by Kemba minutes um, on and off you know while not overexerting his knee if they can find a way to do that that you know while it's not cure-all it will definitely help this team drastically to an extent, you know, it's, it's not going to thrust them into position of like being top four in the West or anything like that. But if you can find a way to implement the Kemba minutes accordingly, and, you know, also as we started to see them doing with Christian Wood, where they're figuring out how to structure his offense within the flow of the offense, um, getting him isolation possessions that aren't forced, you know, that work, um, to, you know, when he's getting the ball on like the strong side, um, you know, post or, you know, him moving accordingly with the, the flow of, um, the ball movement on the floor, things like that, to just get him in the ball in spots where he has the ability to make decisions out of them, whether that be shooting over the top of a guy, uh, posting up, or, you know, of course, trying to pass out of that and using his ability to work in the short role in those four and three situations and just like the regular pick and roll with Luca, we, we start to see a lot more, especially, especially since some of their minutes are getting mirrored together a lot more now that they're um, now at Christian Woods, of course, starting. And, you know, we assume that, that that's going to be something that it ends up being sustained since they're now starting him over to white. And that's really the only, that was really the only roadblock in his way with a, yeah. a of course, with Maxi out. So, you know, they are starting to figure some things out mm-hmm. in terms of, um, you know, Christian Woods offensive implementation onto this team, not just having him stand in the corner, um, which I, I didn't think that like it was ever that drastic. You know, he was always involved early on the season, but there would be noticeable dry spells where they wouldn't get him the ball for, you know, five, 10 minutes. And he'd only shoot like six field goals on a game. We're not really seeing that right now, which I, I do think that that much is positive. And of course, you know, the whole Kemba situation is really, um, kind of uh, a spotty I guess is the word it's just yeah. like really um fluctuating we don't know what we're going to get out of him we saw that he still does have the potential to come off the bench and you know be a sort of dynamic third ball in order that the Mavericks don't have you know and for him it's just really about the consistency how much will the knee hold up and is that an indictment upon the Mavericks front office for 
you know, waiting so long to, to try to mend that issue to where you have a guy who may only be able to give you something one out of every five games because of his knee. I mean, obviously, yes, but, you know, we have to analyze the situation that is presented to us and, you know, we can get more into the front office a little later, but um, I, I at least think that those are like two positives throughout this stretch. Uh, otherwise, you know, the injuries piling up and everything amidst all these games and Luca having to carry such a heavy load um, definitely kind of scares me in my opinion. Yeah, you know, I think uh, one thing that uh, through these last 10 games that we've gotten to see is a lot of different lineups. You know, we've seen Frank in, inserted in the lineup. Um, I mean, heck, we got to see Theo Pinson checked in in the first quarter. Uh, I just, you know, especially with these injuries happening. Yeah, with these Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we're you were having to see a much different Mavericks team. Um, now, can we build off that? Is the big question. We're finding a way to win games. We're three and we're on a three three game win streak. Now you know insert Dorian. Once we get Josh back, insert him. Um, you know Maxi will probably be back at the end of the season. But you know once we get these guys back, can we build off that? Uh, that's the big thing. You know I think Jason Kidd has finally opened up his arsenal in terms of players it's not just this boring nine-man rotation uh we're getting to see Frank Nielakina assuming he's healthy um play a solid and honestly I think he's played pretty good these last two games or last 10 games I should say um but yeah you know we're seeing the the roster sort of opened up in a sense no 100 percent um we're we're kind of getting a full look at every player on this roster for the first time this season right we really never got to see um especially with Frank you know battling some injuries at the first part of the year we you know I think that is something positive that we're getting to see through this stretch we're getting to see if there's anything at the back half of the roster that can really help us right we, we've seen yeah. some Jaden Hardy minutes mm-hmm. you know obviously he's bat, he's battling a back contusion right now they kind of just recently got over so you know McKinley Wright played over him the last two games we'll see if that changes at all and fluctuates but there are some open opportunities for some guys to come in you know improve themselves to an extent now you know how noteworthy those guys are or how um how much they're actually going to be able to fill a role that some of these guys that are injured have left them um that's obviously debatable because um you know it's not like we're asking frank nilikina to come in here and provide 30 minutes of excellent you know tertiary ball handling and um insane three-point shooting and defense, you know, that's obviously wildly unrealistic. But, you know, if can any of those guys at least show you something, especially those younger guys, to where they can be implemented in the rotation at some point this year? I think that's a fairly provocative question because we can all agree probably that, you know, Jaden Hardy, for instance, or even Frank to a somewhat of an extent, right? They, they have, you know, maybe a little – they obviously have a ways to go in terms of their development um, in the NBA – and, you know, obviously I preface this saying with Hardy has much more potential than Frank. And I don't know how much longer Frank's shelf life is, for instance, but we can agree that, you know, he still has a ways to go before, um, you know, Frank could reach his potential peak, which who, who knows if he'll actually reach it. But, you know, can, can any of those guys basically show you something to where they would elevate themselves into playing regular minutes in the rotation, I think is um, a good question. Yeah, you know, I think with these injuries, it you know, we just mentioned it pretty much. It opens up a spot for these guys. Jaden Hardy, unfortunately, is battling a back contusion. Uh, he's just coming back from that. And then again, I mean, Frank battling, what is it, like ankle soreness or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but 
granted with that, you know, these last, or I guess like the seven games before that, uh, you know, I, especially with Frank more so, I think we got to see some more uh, like valuable minutes with him. Uh, I know as his game sort of progressed throughout the season, we got to see him a little more and I'm not gonna lie. I, I really liked what I saw out of him. Um, but yeah, you know, seeing Jaden Hardy get inserted a little more, I, again, you know, I know he's having that little back injury, but hopefully he comes back healthy from there. Um, and, you know, not to like sort of say, but like th this New York game coming up, I think is going to be a big say because it, Frank could be out again. Uh, you know, I think Jane Hardy's, I think Jane Hardy is on the active roster. Like, I, I feel like, um, you know, we could see these guys sort of get more of an elevated role through uh, as the season progresses, especially with the injuries that we've seen as of lately. Yeah, no, most definitely. It'll be really interesting. You know, I obviously this isn't what this podcast is really about, but um, to kind of highlight the New York game coming up tonight, it'll be really interesting to obviously see Brunson's return, the fan fair reaction to all that sort of stuff. And uh, just to see how uh, I kind of am really interested to see that, how the dynamic is between him and Luca, like if they ever get matched up between each other, how that's going to play out. So that that'll be a fun game. We will actually be in attendance at that game for any of you guys that would like to meet us. Just let us know. We can definitely link up. We're, we're excited to go get a look at the brand new Dirk statue. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but nonetheless, um, I'd say overall throughout these last 10 games, you know, despite sort of the injuries that have prevailed and the kind of like weird dynamics that have – you know, Jason Kidd's kind of had to implement by playing this back half of the roster. I'd say that it's probably like, I'm not going to say a net positive, but I don't think it's a net negative. I think it's like somewhere in that, you know, in that equal medium where it's kind of just like, eh, you know, it's like we're, we're five and five, like 500. We, we treaded water, right? Like we did, the Mavericks did what they had to do. You know, you can't really complain, but at the same time, like a lot of these wins are very, um, you know, like obscure and ugly. So I don't think that, you know, one should be overtly optimistic, but I also don't think one should be overtly pessimistic throughout these last 10 games would be my brief summation. Um, I guess next up, let's go ahead and get into some trade target teams that you kind yeah. of have penciled in. Um, I'm going to let you go off with a couple teams first. And um, we're not necessarily going to be, we, you, you can list players from the team, of course, but we're not going to get into like specific fake trade packages. We may do that. And then, you know, maybe another week or two, we'll have a podcast like that. Um, but this one specifically, I kind of just, you know, want you to list some teams that you think might be sellers and some teams that you think the Mavericks might be able to pounce on here in the next um, coming weeks until the trade deadline um, is ensuing. So yeah. um, I have yeah. a couple teams in mind, of course. So let's see if you steal any of mine. Who do you, who do you kind of have first up on the agenda? I think one team, and I mean, this is pretty obvious, but one team to definitely uh, keep an eye on is for sure Chicago. They're in like, they're in like a really unique situation. You know, I know uh, the sort of disconnect between front office and players and even coaching staff for that matter. Uh, and they've openly talked about this. Uh, it's just a really, you know, intricate situation. I know a guy that, you know, Mavericks fans have been pining for has been Zach Levine. He's gotten off to a rocky start. But if the Mavericks are looking to make a second star sort of trade to come next or to pair next to Luca, uh, I mean, Zach Levine, like Chicago's in a weird situation. I know he's sort of this odd man out on that team. 
Uh, I mean, it doesn't hurt to look there. You know, they have plenty of guards on their roster. That's sort of a need that the Mavericks need or the Mavericks have. Chicago's an interesting situation. We'll see what happens again. I know they're not ready to blow up that roster yet. Uh, I, I feel like we could be asking these same questions by all-star break, but who knows? And then, you know, I think going down the line here, uh, Toronto, they've sort of built something the last few games. So we'll see, you know, if they really are interested, but uh, I don't think the Mavericks can really get in on this. This is sort of, uh, I mean, this definitely is a, a tipping the meter sort of trade, uh, OG Ananobi. I just don't think the Mavericks have the assets. I know we'll get into the asset sort of management later. Um, yeah, you know, Toronto, I think Charlotte's a big one. Um, I mean, even Detroit. No, yeah. I mean, I think the Toronto situation is interesting because yeah. look at their record and they've kind of had some of their different guys be injured throughout different stretches of the year, but they're 15th and 18. So, I mean, barely treading water into that play-in um, situation right now as the 10th seed. Yet they have so many intriguing players that if they're if they end up becoming sellers that I think any team in the league would be happy to pounce on. I mean, you look at uh, Gary Trent Jr., um, OG, of course. I mean, you know, you really have to think that probably the only untouchable guy there for sure, like definitively, is Scotty Barnes. Now, yeah. I would definitely say that they would be hesitant to just completely blow it all up and trade like Van Vliet and Siakam and all those guys and Boucher. Um, but you never know if they really just start to stink it up. And, you know, Masai, he's a very decisive GM. And he's just like, hey, like, let's enter tank dome then he's prepared to do it he's done it before so exactly um but i I would definitely monitor that but i don't think anything's like imminent in terms maybe besides og being traded at some point and i don't think the mavericks have the assets to get him any longer um you know as they maybe did like a year or two ago so that that like i said that's an interesting situation to monitor but i wouldn't get my hopes up for them i thought um the point that you made about um, Chicago is really good because I mean they're 14 and 19 and they you know obviously dealing with this Lonzo ball injuries gave them some trouble but there definitely seems to be like kind of a disconnect there between Zach Levine the coaching staff and they you know just their personnel should not be performing yeah. this well there, there has to be some sort of disconnect there between the players and the coaching staff it's it's a really weird situation um, I, I really do think you know I don't know if they're quite at you know we're going to blow this up right now yet but if we if this kind of persists you know they are let's see they're three and seven you know they're five and five in their last 10 games so if they end up kind of going to um the trade deadline and this continually persists of course i think we could see some issues arise um in that chicago organization and they may actually become sellers. So I, I think that that's like honestly one of the most prominent Eastern Conference teams right now that m- might be a seller that the Mavericks could pounce on. You know, obviously, I would definitely look at Kobe White first as a guy yeah, who Kobe might White. be the odd man out there in terms of Alex their, Caruso. I mean, Alex Caruso, maybe, even though he he's is, been balling is, out, but no, he has. I mean, any team could use a presence, mm-hmm. his presence as a, you know, a ball handler off the bench who can defend one through three. I mean, he's in. Um, he's a invaluable role player, right? But I, I don't know if, if things really do blow up. I mean, do they make that um, sort of penultimate Zach Levine trade? 
Um, but, you know, what do you do with DeRozan at that point? There, there's a lot of kind of weird questions, that I think, there that you can stem off uh, with the Bulls. But nonetheless, I do think that they have to be monitored nonetheless. Uh, what's actually kind of funny here looking at the standings is that the next the Nets are quietly number three in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> I did not realize this. They, eight in a row or yeah, maybe I nine mean, now. Ben Simmons is sort of kind of figuring it out. I mean, they, they're the top really? five in the East are, are really good. Yeah. Um, I think next up, uh, a good pivot point, you know, because of the whole Nate McMillan situation as of recently, I think, you know, since we're just going to keep churning <laughs> out these Eastern conference teams, the Atlanta Hawks, it okay. was, uh, was my first pick. Um, I, I think we do four, let's do four teams from each conference, right? Four. Okay. So, so I, my third, can, I have, I'll do the, so we each do two for each conference. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah okay. Two for each conference. Okay. The West is going to be a bit tougher because everybody's yeah. trying to compete, but the, the East I think has some more sellers, but yeah, the Hawks are one, one game above 500 right now. Um, they're 17 and 16 and there has been some beef with Trey young and Nate McMillan in the, um, just that dynamic has apparently been sort of off kilter this year for whatever reason. They have like one of the better on paper teams in the league, you'd think, and their their depth is insane. But I mean, things just seemingly aren't working out with them. You know, that John Collins has been in trade rumors as he basically is every other week of every season that yeah. since like 2019. Um, but they just have like a really, I mean, yeah, just like kind of the uh the Bulls to an extent, they just have some like weird organizational disconnects here. Um, to where their team on paper is really good, even better than the Bulls. And, I mean, they are in the playoff race, so I would hesitate to say that they're just going to blow everything up. I think that's a little overblown. I think the Hawks are less likely to, you know, trade Trey Young and just completely throw, um, you know, jump ship like everybody's kind of saying. But if, you know, this internal beef with him and Nate McMillan is really as bad as it is, could they become sellers at some point? There's a lot of intriguing guys um, when you kind of – get uh, intricate with it that uh, you can look on the Hawks and be like, Oh, you could package this with Trey young. You know, I think it would take some sort of um, huge conglomerate from the Mavericks to even, you know, surmise a package that would even be considering to um, the Hawks GM. Yeah. To even look at, I don't know his name off the top of my head. I think it's like Travis shank or something like that i actually don't know i'd have to check it up you, you need to look that up for me um, okay gotcha. but uh yeah i mean it's really weird sort of discourse kind of going on there around atlanta and they have some interesting narratives that are coming out so i mean if they really start to go on a skid here and they don't figure it out by you know the trade deadline we definitely could see the hawks become huge sellers in a in a way at that point because, you know, they're obviously kind of treading water right now at 500, you know, very fairly similar position to the Mavericks in terms yeah. of the record. But if they really start to drop and they go on a skid, who knows what could, ha- what could happen and, you know, what's to become of Trey Young and John Collins or whoever else you want to kind of put in tandem with those guys in a trade package. But uh, needless to say, there are going to be a lot of buyers if any of those guys go on the market. Yeah, you know, I you, by the way, you did get the uh, general manager. Oh, what, what's his, what's his action? I, I think I Travis- bought his last name. Travis uh, Schlink, I think. Schlink, okay, yeah, let's go. Yeah, um, so I guess like we both in tandem listed Chicago, and then you listed Atlanta. I know I mentioned like Detroit. Um, oh, Charlotte. I was going to say Detroit for my last. I I just didn't hear you say that. Okay, well I I didn't I mentioned them, I'm, but yeah. I'll go 
my my last team that I'll go in depth with, I think New York, um, the Knicks. That being really, great. yeah, no, I can see yeah. that. I, so the Knicks, you know, I know uh, they they recently was a seven or eight game win streak. They followed that up. I'm pretty sure they're like on a four game losing streak now. Uh, now, are they going to blow up their roster? I don't think so. I don't think they're anywhere near that. This is pretty much a win now season. But with that being said, you know, you look at the guys that are sort of out of their rotation, Evan Fournier, Derek Rose. Um, if you want to reach or not reach, but you can list Cam Reddish there too. And then if you want to take a reach, um, if you have a good enough package, you know, maybe Emmanuel quickly is on their list. Uh, I, I just think, you know, New York is in an interesting situation. I don't think quickly would be on the trade block at all. Uh, but with these past few games, you know, maybe it doesn't hurt to, you know, get, get some guys in return for Derek Rose or Cam Reddish. Cause seemingly these last 10, 15 games, Derek Rose, uh, and Cam Reddish, that being have pretty much fallen completely out of their rotation. Yeah. The one thing with the Knicks is that, you know, specifically, specifically with quickly is that I know that they're had been reported by some of the Knicks guys that they're seeking a first round pick for him. Right. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know. You kind of weigh, you know, if you're getting any of those veterans in terms of Rose or um, who's the other guy you mentioned? Uh, Cam Reddish or Evan Fournier. Or, okay. Well, yeah. Rose or Fournier obviously won't cost you any picks. You know, Reddish maybe might cost you a second or something like that. Um, that's definitely, you know, if the Knicks continue to slide, you know, they they were on just on an eight-game win streak. Now they're on a three-game losing streak, but – I don't know. I, I think that to an extent they are trying to build something. I could see them yeah. maybe ridding themselves. I, I think they are all they are also a team that has moves to be made. Exactly. Um, just with the the back half of their roster kind of being out of the rotation when you talk about Rose and Reddish. Um, but those are, you know, also guys that, oh, if they're not playing for the Knicks, why would they play for the Mavs? You can, you know, pose that question, of course. But in my opinion, both of those guys would have they they could be they could serve contributive roles to an extent on this team. And, you know, Reddish is at least another wing that you can take a flyer on a former, you know, high lottery pick who's, you know, uber athletic and has great measurables. So, I mean, there's definitely some, there's some credence to the fact that that, that could work out, but you know, it's just funny with Atlanta and New York. It's like, would they deal with the Mavericks again after yeah. the <laughs> weird sort of pass of the KP and the Luca for Trey swap. So that that's kind of interesting to monitor. And, you know, lastly, like Detroit, there's not a whole ton of guys that, you know, you really look at there, but, you know, just some of those veteran guys that maybe they might be looking to do right by and get them out of there by the deadline just to, um, you know, clear some space, maybe take back an expiring from the Mavs, like a Dwight Powell or something like that yeah. um, in a second or something like that. You know, you could look at Nerlens, of course, you know, you get a rim protector, an actual one to pair, um, you know, with Christian Wood. And of course with the maxi minutes being, um, very um, up and down amidst his injury history and his right hamstring tear right now. You know, that's something that's kind of sorely needed, especially because Maxie's not like a quote-unquote rim protector. He's like a weak side help yeah. defender who also is, you know, a good on-ball defender. You know, Nerlens is a pretty like traditional rim protector or a weak side kind of one. You know, Nerlens does have a tendency with his, uh, his Slenderman frame, his hot dog frame rather. <laughs> to get bodied at times. <laughs> um, but that that's something that you could look at, you know, Alec Burks, that's a guy that always comes up in trade, trade deadline discussions, you know, serviceable score off the bench, especially if the Mavericks were already like ship off Hardaway and some other deal that I could see that being an option. And then of course, Bojan Bogdanovic, who, you know, at this point might cost a pick, but I mean, that definitely 
elevates you into another echelon. You add a little bit of, you know, you added up probably a slightly above average defender, you know, sure. He's about 33 or whatever it is, but a guy who can, another guy who can go create his own shots. You're, you're tending to that issue even more. So, you know, you have him and Kemba at that point, you know, the third ball handler thing becomes a lot more redundant and, you know, you're really at that point only missing a rim protecting big and probably another wing defender. So that may elevate the Mavericks to win another round or get past that play in um, echelon. You know, I don't think any, you know, it would really surprise me if the Mavericks have the feasibility to be able to make a trade that, you know, elevates them past play in um, yeah. realm or, or like the six seed, for instance, I don't know if they have a move of that sorts. And that that's kind of what I um, want to get into next, but we'll knock off some of these Western conference teams since we're kind of dragging this out a little longer that we could see uh, being able to make a move with the Mavericks. I don't think there's like a whole lot um, versus yeah, I really don't think there is. Eastern conference, but you know, one team to definitely look at is um, or really off the top. I'd say probably two teams to look at are just Minnesota and Utah, Utah, of course, because they're obviously, playing marginally better than they were expected to. So if they, they've been five and five in their last 10, if they continue to kind of slide a little bit more and they, you know, cross under that 500 threshold, I could definitely see that some of their veterans becoming expendable at the trade deadline and route for, you know, Danny Ainge trying to get some picks. We've talked about them since the summer. I feel like that's very self-explanatory. They obviously are, have had a, you know, great developmental season for some of their younger guys and Sexton and Markinen. And, you know, Markin is playing at almost an all-star level right now. But, you know, currently they are in the play-in realm. They're ninth, uh, two seeds behind the Mavericks. But if they continue to skid a little bit, I could see them being an applicable option. And then, of course, Minnesota, you know, if things are, like, really just as bad as they seem there and they continue to just be this um, sub-500 team, they're 16-18 right now, and they just can't figure it out by the deadline, I mean, who all becomes available at that point? I know I've seen some Mavs fans, you know, mention Anthony Edwards. I, I He's the youngest guy out of that whole bunch in that roster. I would hesitate to think that they would just give him up. I, I think he's the last guy yeah, of all probably. those guys that they would probably give up. Um, and, you know, they just signed Gobert to a new deal. So I don't know if they would – they'd probably I, – I, I just kind of heavily doubt that they would be willing to part ways with him so fast after – trading basically their whole roster for him just from an asset management perspective. Um, but you look at some guys like, you know, D'Lo, maybe he said he's been playing fairly well this season. Um, and of course, Cat, like, what could you get for him? Um, there, there's some compelling things there, but I, I just don't know if the Mavericks really necessarily have the assets to get in on it. Barring that, it's like, you know, you're looking at the West and, you know, you see Denver, New Orleans, Memphis, the Clippers, the Suns, those are not teams that the Mavericks would get in on necessarily with a, with a trade unless it's something very minute and, you know, something that just really is applicable to, you know, the back end of your rotation because those are all buyers, right? And even the Kings, surprisingly, at 17-14, unless they, they kind of go on a skid here. I know that we just – it was announced yesterday that Sabonis has a, a thumb injury. Yeah, thumb injury. Yeah, so – that, I mean, that could maybe be a team that ends up becoming a seller at some point. But right now, I would say that they probably don't project as one. I'd yeah, say they're, they're probably yeah. um, the Trailblazers, I think, are still trying to be competitive, even though they're, you know, the same record as the Mavericks. Uh, I, I don't think the Warriors are going to become sellers because yeah. when Curry gets back, they're going to continue to go. Um, you know, the Thunder, you know, some of these teams at the bottom of the West. Well, I OK, I checked that. Um, I see. see two, I got two, here at the bottom actually kind of intrigued me a little bit more. 
Yeah, I was about to say, I, was like, I got one team that's 14 or 13. Uh, that's being the Houston Rockets. Like, I just think. Yeah, uh, I completely si- forgot about Eric Gordon and that. That's whole- what, yeah, I was about to say. I was yeah. like, that's just one situation you have to monitor is Eric Gordon. I don't know if that's the a type of guy that the Mavericks are really looking for. But again, I mean, that's a guy that can create his own shot. Tends uh, to can- the defensive issues, especially at the point of attack. The Mavericks yeah. don't really have a guy like under six, five that can kind of go guard point guards like that. I mean, I'm, he's lost a little bit of his lateral quickness in his age, but he, he would be a really um, interesting piece to implement mm-hmm. um, on our roster. Of course, I think, you know, you have a pretty solid little uh, group of wings at that point when you have, you know, green Gordon, Finney Smith and Bullock, you have like four guys that you can kind of throw at, different guys offensively um you know based on you know what their position is and what have you um you know you use like green and gordon moore as your point of attack defenders you know you use finney smith and bullock to defend you know those high powered you know point forwards like a lebron and um jason tatum for instance things like that right so that would be interesting um if the mavericks could pull something like that but besides that there's really nobody on that rockets roster that yeah i, was I know i think Kenyon martin jr or was, um, was kj martin am i yeah K, kj martin uh or no it's Kenyon. um oh, yeah, martin I, jr. I feel like you know if you're looking for minute details off the bottom of your bench like that's the yeah he's a solid wing yeah he's a little bit older than some of the i think that's the reason he's been mentioned some trade talks he's i think like 25 26 something like that so Obviously, I know um, Rockets fans are have kind of been on the fast track to be like, oh, he's not in the under-24 club. Let's try to get him out of here. You know, he's not – He's we need to let, you know, Tori Eason, blah, 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 and all these guys develop. So, I mean, you know, that could, that could maybe be a thing. But besides, I don't see too much from the Rockets. You know, the Spurs, you know, we obviously the, – the dream scenario, you could be able to fleece a Devin Vassell or a Keldon Johnson. But, you know, the more and more I think about it, it's just like those guys are – I feel like even though they are a little bit older, like they'll still fit the timeline of whoever yeah. they're able to get to an extent. And they're, they're just too good and too young for them to really give up on. Well, they're, they're young and they're also losing and that's yeah. what they need right now. So, yeah, exactly. And uh, one team that just came to mind, this is in the East, actually, I think that kind of covers the West. I think we could both agree um, is actually the Hornets. Cause you know, with yeah. their, them sliding, they're nine and 25. They're almost certainly, you know, I mean, they're they're in some deep water right now. Miles Bridges <laughs> potentially coming back, um, so that that's an interesting team to monitor. You know, in terms of Gordon Hayward, Rozier, there's some names there. I don't know, you know, what the Mavericks' assets and their uh, feasibility to go get any of those guys would look like, but uh, I definitely think that you know I've posted a couple fake trades with them, and that could be definitely be a team. But I mean, barring that, I don't see, you know, maybe Washington if you or maybe Washington or Orlando, but it's like how many of those guys are they looking like really looking to sell maybe like a Kuzma. I, I mean, Kuzma I don't know. You, you, you have to start kind of like stretching it in terms of guys that are actually going to be on the market, you know, Orlando with Jonathan Isaac, but he's been out for so long at this point. Do you want to venture in that direction? And, you know, there's obviously some concerns regarding, you know, his personality type um, with some fans and what have you. So, I mean, I don't know. Um, I, it's a really weird situation to monitor, but I would definitely say that those teams that we listed off the top in the Eastern conference and those two teams we w- listed in the West in the, um, jazz and the, and probably the wolves and 
I guess, you know, throw the Rockets in there too. Those kind of seven teams are probably the most applicable teams that the Mavericks can probably trade with. Yeah. I think, I think um, maybe like the most dark horse of dark horse sort of pickups would be maybe a Dylan Brooks. Uh, I'm, I don't think think he'd be available. I, I don't think he'd be available, but I think offered, and this is probably out of the Mavericks realm, but offered a good enough package. I feel like, I just, I don't know. I just don't think he really fits their sort of scheme that they want. I think he's sort of like that odd man out and that on that roster. Um, and he's honestly had a pretty rough start to the season. So what, what um, do you think that they, the Grizzlies would be pining for in return? That, I mean, that, I don't know. Uh, like well, they like pretty much have, guys. Yeah. I was about to say, I was like, they pretty much have like every hole in their roster filled. Uh, but Dylan Brooks, you know, he offers a good sense of defense, of course. Um, but in the sense that he's Tim Hardaway, he just likes to jack up every shot. Um, I think he's like averages close to like 18 shots a game. I want to say, um, is he, is, how, what's his efficiency look like this year? Cause it's been like, I'm, I'm actually not sure. It, like, uh, here, I'll look this up real quick, but I, I do know he's been shooting inefficient, um, for at least I feel like most of the season. Yeah. Um, I, you know, he's a guy that I think, and when he kind of came into the league, he kind of bared the label of being sort of this three and D wing. Um, but now he's like, this defensive wing who maybe one can argue, you know, d- d- tries to do too much on offense sometimes. Right. Yeah. Uh, he's, he, you still, he still get the defensive intangibles. And if it's, if it's a situation where the Mavericks are, you know, getting rid of Hardaway already in another trade or they're doing a swap like that, that's something I could see being applicable. Um, but, you know, I, I still think that, I don't know if he's like, I, I don't I think he's on their They would sell him to the Mavericks, but I mean, it depends on what they got in return, I guess. Yeah, they would definitely need a good package in return. Uh, but so far this season, he's played 29 games, uh, 41% from the field, and 34% from three. Yeah, so those are kind of, you know, definitely more abysmal numbers than we've seen from him in his career. But, you know, he was battling some injury stuff earlier mm-hmm. in the year. So, I mean, there's there's optimism to think that he might be able to turn it around and you know, I, I personally don't know exactly what the Grizzlies want, but if I'm presuming, you know, based on kind of what I've watched a little bit and what you've told me, they're, they're probably looking for more stability at that position. You yeah. know, a guy who they can just rely on to Tim shoot, Hardaway. Shoot, shoot the threes when he's open. No, Tim Hardaway's like, I know it's a joke. <laughs> but, um, you know, like maybe like Reggie, if he's able to positively uh, continue to regress as he does every winter from three, um, you know, dare I say Dorian, uh, I don't know. Um, how how much I'd be willing to give that up, but those are some guys I feel like you know they could be interested in maybe, and just in terms of you know you do kind of a swap with Brooks and you get maybe two guys that are more stable from three and you know because they they do have some uh, creation um, outside of Jaw with Tyus Jones who's a really good uh, point guard off the bench and you know Desmond Bain can work off the dribble some, but I still think that they're also at the same time trying, you know, that D'Anthony Melton's a guy that kind of sorely missed. Yes. So I, that's a really weird situation to monitor. I mean, I wouldn't, I'd be interested to see if he gets shipped at all, but I, I do think they kind of need him to an extent, but if they're looking to go more towards that stability, um, you know, those one dimensional players that we always talk about for the Mavericks and they, they want to get more one dimensional Mavericks want to get less one dimensional essentially. <laughs> um, and they can, they can have Reggie Bullock, but that's an interesting team you brought up. Um, you know, now, next, I kind of want to segue into the archetype of a player that the Mavericks, you know, would be trying to get right. Like, 
do they need another ball handler at this point? Do they need another three and D wing, um, you know, with some creation ability or do they need um, a rim protecting big? Like what is the archetype that you think is most essential? You know, cause I think those three that I just listed off are probably all needs for the Mavericks to yeah, some yes. sort of extent, but if you're ranking them on the totem pole, which would you put first in terms of needed most and uh, last in terms of needed least? I definitely think a playmaker is probably top. Uh, I just think the Mavericks are sorely in need of someone who can create their own shot and at a consistent level, um, you know, with Kimba Walker, with the addition of Kimba Walker, uh, he's sort of taken a little, a little weight off the shoulders of Luca in that sense. But then again, you know, can you rely on Kimba Walker for five games out of five games? Uh, we just haven't seen that, you know, he's done amazing job for what, like every other game, every three games that he's played, but with that being said, you know, is his knee going to stay healthy? So I just think, you know, the Mavericks could look um, in a more consistent role. Uh, and that would probably be a second star of the Terry Rozier. Um, honestly, that's the only name that really comes up to my head that can a Bojan. Um Which like, I mean, I, I when you think, say second star, you mean more like. Or like not second star, like, yeah. but I just think someone who's like would be the second star on this team. Not saying they're a star, but they would be the second best player. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Christian Wood, the way he's been playing, obviously oh, elevates himself into yeah. you know, an echelon where he can kind of, you can argue against some of those guys. But I mean, like, yeah, like on that sort of level, like second or third best player of the team, even if it's not moving the needle to. Here, I'll put it this way. Means. Someone that moves Spencer to the bench. I'll put it that way. Oh, okay. Um, so you're, 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 th- you're saying you're going the creator route still. Uh, yeah, creator. Yeah. Like someone, yeah. Someone who can create their own shot, someone who can create their own offense and, uh, I mean, shoot at a consistent level. I just think Tim Hardaway, um, if you're talking about shooting alone, I just don't think he's consistent. You know, we saw him shoot, what did he have, 28 points on Christmas Day? Um, 26. 26. Okay, so 26 on Christmas Day. Like, we'll see that every other game, and then we'll see a dud of eight points. Um, I just think, you know, consistent shooting, uh, someone who can, again, create their own shot. And, like, again, as I listed, you know, Terry Rozier, he's definitely a guy that I would monitor. Uh, if you're going the second star route, a Trey Young, uh, that would be a huge shakeup in the like scheme of the NBA. But I, I don't know, you know, how readily, you know, we talked about this, but how readily the Hawks would be able to do that. Um, but yeah, you know, I just think I, I think that's probably the top need. And then next, I would probably go towards the route of the rim protector uh, with the emergence of Josh Green. I just probably wouldn't put three and D wing as high as a rim protector. Um, and with like, JaVale McGee pretty much you know dutting out this season uh I mean I wouldn't put him even in the roster you know we saw everybody pretty much play on Christmas Day and he was the only guy that didn't play um so I you know I think if we went down the Nerlens Noel route that would definitely shift uh I don't think it would shift the meter at all I don't think we'd win an x amount of games because of him but I think you know the team would definitely be better no yeah I completely agree um was like some of your takes there but I will like push back in terms of the order like, honestly, my order is yours, but literally like reversed. I, I, reversed, I do yeah. see what you're saying there, but, you know, I think I'm more keen to def- defense on the wings just in terms of like, you know, I look at like one of the best teams in the league, like my sort of idealistic model, a team that I always look to that is the the sort of threshold, you know, for a contender is like the Boston Celtics. Yeah. And they have all these <laughs> dynamic ball handlers and guys that can play defense. I mean, you look at, Derek White, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, you know, Jason Tatum. I mean, obviously all those, you know, Matt Brockton, 
all those guys can defend one through three, you know, in Tatum and Brown's case, like they can defend fours at times too. Um, like, I, I don't know. I'm just very keen to defense and I feel like you can never have enough point of attack and wing defenders. Right. I think that the Mavericks are still like one away from really having a nice assortment of them. Like they, they have a solid little rotation when everybody's healthy, when you have green, Finney Smith and Bullock, but you know, I think they're just one consistent point of attack slash wing defender away still. So I, I, you know, and I think, you know, by saying that, I'm not saying like a strict three and D wing, you know, I still want a guy who has some sort of, you know, pseudo creation ability can attack off some closeouts, um, you know, can able to create his own shot, you know, uh, the sort of archetype player I would probably try to attest to um, in terms of this. And this is not a guy that I think the Mavericks can get by any means, but like a DeAndre Hunter or yeah. um, Patrick Williams, when he starts hitting his ceiling, like guys like that is like, that's like the model archetype player that I would like really love for this Mavericks team. A guy that, you know, maybe more on a rookie scale deal too, that could be on the fast track to, you know, they kind of have the three and D aspect of their game down, but they still have the potential to develop that creation and that playmaking ability down the line. Cause that's like your idealistic guy. You could pair with Luca, right. Um, you know, like we talk about like guys that you would most like to pair with Luca, like for me, for instance, like SGA is at the top of that list. Right. And that's a guy who, you know, I mean, he had guard skills coming in, but he's bigger. He's like six, six. Um, he can defend one through three, um, but can also take a, a bulk of the scoring off of Luca, of course. Um, you know, he's a, you know, more extreme case, you know, I'm not saying that a guy has to come in and provide that much playmaking or that much shot creation ability, but a guy that can do a little bit of that, you know, at least to a level where, you know, it alleviates some of the pressure from Spencer and Dinwiddie and Luca, of course, and at the same time, lockdown on defense at the wing position, that would be my idealistic guy. And then I'd probably list the rim protector for all the reasons you said, number two, and then um, another ball handler, just because I feel like the Mavericks immediate, that's the one area with the Kemba thing. Like, even if he's yeah, it's not going to be consistent, it is the one area out of those other, like, you know, with the, the wing, and the unless AJ Lawson comes in and starts producing, we'll see how that goes. You never know. Yeah. Uh, he might play tonight, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, that's <laughs> all these injuries. Um, but you know, unless the ball handler, um, you know, with the ball handler situation, like it's been tended to a little bit, right? It's not. Um, it's the only thing that has kind of, you know, had any sort of stopgap measure to been provided for it, right? with the, the Kemba signing. I mean, now it's, it's not some sort of cure-all by any means, but it does. Um, it is something that helps. Right. So, you know, we, we see with the Mavericks haven't done anything to address their wing or their rim protection problems since the season started. So that's the only reason I would rank it in that order. But, you know, I, I thought that was really interested to look at uh, next up. I want to kind of get into the next sort of 10 games for the Mavericks, just January stretch. How essential is this in your opinion in terms of being a turning point this season or a downwards turning point this season, or the Mavericks just end up kind of treading water and staying mediocre. Um, kind of tell everybody what this stretch is going to uh, basically um, persist of. Like, you know, you of course, at the kind of top half of the stretch, it's a little weaker, and then it gets kind of yeah. stronger at the end of the stretch. And um, how are the Mavericks, you know, tentatively and, you know, projectively what do you how do you think they're going to kind of fare in this January stretch you know not just obviously not just going to go through and like predict game by game but um you know just looking at this sort of strength of schedule how do the 
what what are the Mavericks got on their plate coming up? Yeah, I mean the Mavericks. Uh, like I'll start from pretty much tonight, December twenty seventh. Uh, the this next four or five games that they have, I think, is definitely easier. And then you know the next five games after that is probably the toughest stretch in the month of January. Uh, I think one thing that we need to look for for the Mavericks is, you know, through this injury stretch, uh, would be probably, you know, what can they build on? Uh, you know, building off a win on Christmas would be huge, of course. But you know, again, I mean, we see how much the Mavericks rely on this three and D, uh, or not three and D, uh, how much they rely on the three point shooting. Uh, like, how much is that going to affect these next few games? How much is that going to affect the January? Can the Mavericks build off of three point shooting? Um, you know, that's really the big thing that I would look forward to. Um, I think we'll probably, we'll definitely see Dorian come back. We'll see uh, Josh Green come back here in the next few weeks, I feel like. Um, you know, I would hope that Frank Nilekin is playing. Hopefully it's not another, uh, what was his injury? It was like a knee uh, effusion or whatever it was, or an ankle effusion, whatever his thing was. Uh, oh, yeah, the so Davis had the knee effusion. Yeah, so the hopefully there's the season, just effusion central. Yeah, hopefully that there's not like, some sort of weird nagging injury like that um, affecting him. But I, I just think, you know, a sense of, you know, what is this team going to be? Cause I feel like, I mean, I don't know how you feel, but I don't feel like this team has found an identity at all, or at least found who they could be. No, Peter um, talks every week. Exactly. Like this Christmas to all-star break stretch is really key for the Mavericks uh, sitting at 18 and 16. They can, I mean, what if they win tonight, they're four games back of the first seed. Like they're they're somehow still in contention. Uh, I'm putting air quotes there. Um, of like, oh, I would. They're, they're not in contention. They're they're like somehow teeter totting on like. Yeah, because I think there's a clear delegation between the Mavericks and like those top three teams. No, they're they're okay. You can't compare the like. Yeah, so like I, I would put like like I put like. Maybe the label I would put is um out of out of the play in contention. Yeah, out, okay, out of the play in getting yeah, a, they, uh, I don't even know if I'd go home court advantage, but like getting in the four through six range, like that's still a potential yeah. uh, possibility. Despite you know the Mavericks, like it, the Mavericks are eighteen and sixteen, and it feels like seven or eight of these games they just do not they shouldn't have yeah. won and do not mm-hmm. deserve to win. You know, like that's that's what scares me. I think is like no, I mean a lot can, of these games the Mavericks really have not played up to the ball and you, you know you can argue that they probably didn't go out and win they just merely escaped yeah for sure I think you can make an argument of that uh this easy stretch as you say um of this next few games coming up I think is going to be like a big uh say of what this team can be uh because we have seen time and time again that the easy stretches of this season have been the hardest stretches for the Mavericks uh, so I think if the Mavericks can build some sort of consistency through the next few games, we might have a blueprint of what we can see through the rest of the season. Uh, but again, I, I don't mean to say that they're contending for a top three seed or anything like that. I think that they can establish themselves as one of the better six through four seeds, uh, or at least one of the better playing teams uh, through this January stretch, which would be pretty key. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, three game win streaks turn into four game losing streaks just like that. So we'll see what we can get. Uh, a win against New York is again huge, but this January stretch, I think it's pretty, it's a tough stretch. Uh, you know, we play 15 games in 30 days. So I want to say there's two back-to-backs in that stretch. So it'll be a tough stretch of games, but nonetheless, 
I, I think the most thing I'm looking forward to, or not looking forward to, but looking for is how much of an identity can the Mavericks find? Yeah, but, you know, you also want to look at, like, what is the goal? Like, if it's another, like, six through four season, or, like, you know, I'm talking about, like, the seeding-wise, like, if yeah, it's yeah. in that four through six range, like, what's the goal there, of course? Like, by you treading water, does that, by virtue, you know, still make you viewed as one of the more competent organizations in the league? Does that attract players come the offseason? I mean, those are the only, like, benefits that can come out of that. Or, you know, is that going to, you know, get guys to want to, you know, request trades to you if they're asking out, things like that. Like, those are some of the benefits by staying good that you can kind of uh, still obtain. But, you know, if the Mavericks do start to slide, they the first-round pick is top 10 protected. There's credence to the fact that <laughs> maybe they should continue to take. Who knows, right? There's still time. But, you know, yeah, those are compelling arguments to make for either, of course. But, you know, obviously Luca wants to win and stay good. So that's like your main reason for wanting to continue to win, regardless of the situation, of course. Um, but, yeah, I mean, who knows where we end up finishing. But it is a provocative discussion. And, and I do think that this stretch really through the All-Star break is really going to define our season. And, I mean, you look at this Mavericks roster and we can, you know, kind of toss things up in the air and – you know, project, oh, the Mavericks should do this. I think that, you know, they should be going for this guy or, you know, this is the team that they're most likely to trade with and all this. But at the end of the day, we have to look at the players in the front office or, you know, if you just think that's Mark Cuban, you know, you're entitled to that opinion. I get that argument as well, right? If he's just the puppeteer behind all this, right? But nonetheless, like we look at, you know, revisionist history would tell us that, you know, the Mavericks tend to be content when they're good. You know, that's typically not when they're pouncing and trying to make moves, especially in this Luka era where they, you know, they've sort of strangle-held themselves um, in terms of their capital that they're going to be able to ship out. You know, they will have all their picks available, um, you know, coming up after this um, draft, of course. But nonetheless, like, you know, and if they wanted to renounce the, you know, if the Knicks agreed to, uh, renounce the protections on this year's picks they could have all of them available there's there's some different outlets to you know be able to ship out three first round picks of course but like you look at the capital that this team has and you know do they even have the feasibility to make a trade um that would put them in that echelon of you know past that four to six seed realm where you know you're just kind of treading water right like i think if they kind of go on a win streak here like, even if we want them to make a move, um, I think the front office may bear some contentment and be like, okay, like, we're fine. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're winning and we can buy another season to where we can get help for Luca sometime in the offseason. Like, that's probably their mentality. Like, if they're able to kind of just tread water, if they get in that four to six range out of the playoff plan, like, oh, yeah, we're chilling. Like, we're winning just enough for Luca to be happy and okay. And like, is that the mentality I'd like them to have? No, but that's, no. that could be what they, the mentality that, is stemming from our front office or Mark Cuban, whoever you think is the perpetrator. Right. And, you know, there's a real argument to the Mavericks only route to long-term success being them going on a skid here, you know, them going on a losing streak at the deadline to where they end up having to sell and they end up having to, um, you know, maybe take back some draft capital or some younger players, some flyers, um, and ridding of some of their, you know, older one-dimensional role players. You know, I, I know that this whole point is kind of making everything I, we talked about earlier in the podcast counterintuitive, 
um, with our whole sort of, you know, talking about potential trades, um, you know, potential teams to trade with. But um, this is sort of the reality of the situation. Like we can daydream all we want. And it is fun to do that because, you know, there is credence to the fact that maybe some one of those things ends up coming to fruition. You never know. And it's fun to project because that's what we do as fans. But yeah. we also have to look at the reality of who the players in the front office are, uh, which is a very sad and real reality that we have to uh, kind of look at. Right. No, for sure. Um, you know, I, I I don't think there's anybody that we listed outside, of course, like Trey Young and everything like that, um, that really, you know, sets the table to put this team in the echelon of contending for a championship. I don't think there's anybody that you can make a trade for this season. Um, or at least like with the assets that we have available, I just don't think there's anybody that the Mavericks can really do that with. Um, now, with that being said, um, no, I am not pining for any injury to happen or anything like that, but the Mavericks, you know, if they did somehow decide to slide, um, they did somehow decide to keep their top 10 draft pick. Um, Cause of course that's top 10 protected. Oh, well, they would get fortunate enough to, because I mean, technically they could we be would, the worst team. We would in get the, the 11 spot. They could be the worst team in the league and still somehow the yeah, no, balls that's... drop and they end up getting the 12th pick or something. We, yeah. We'd get the 11 spot. Um, no, but you know, it's not too late. Uh, again, I think us, as you mentioned earlier, us as fans, you know, we want to see moves made, but is there any room for moved, moves to be made with this current roster as it's constructed? So uh, only time will tell. Uh, we still have a few months until February or early February approaches, but again, it's coming on us fast. It's coming on. It's, it's quick. Um, so with that being said, I mean, like, you know, contract extensions with Christian Wood, uh, like there's so many different stuff uh, that is going to come up before, what is it, February 5th or February 3rd, something like that, um, that coveted trade deadline. Yeah, and I mean, the Mavericks have until basically free agency to extend Christian Wood, as pointed out by CBA Mavs today. Um, I posed that question on Twitter. So, I mean, they can do that whenever, but the fact that they didn't offer the extension when it was first available, it, it definitely may speak volumes to an extent as to, you know, the whole feasibility of him actually either accepting that contract extension or the Mavs just, you know, being cheap and wanting to see how this plays out. Well, you know, this could very well turn into another Brunson situation. Yeah. You know, the Mavs do have full bird rights to him, but I mean, they had full bird rights with Brunson too. I mean, it's just a really weird um, situation in terms of how they could potentially mismanage another asset and they're just like, whatever because i mean it seems like some of the stuff that's came out of mark stein and his stub stack and everything like they don't seem like over the top ready to offer wood this extension and i mean i get christian wood may not be the most coveted player asset or idealistic big man whatever but i mean four for 77 is a bargain for him like i think that that much is clear and at the very least you want that from uh asset management perspective because then you can I mean trade him down the line that's a very tradable contract at what help you do be making like 19 18 a year and in yeah. descending order something like that i think so um it, it bodes you like flexibility to be able to trade it down the year so it's kind of puzzling to me as to why they don't you know like really push hard and vent um you know venture in that direction especially at the, the brunson situation i mean i get they're different players and but you know it's the same type of um, narrative of them losing, you know, basically the second best player on the team for absolutely nothing. If this ends up 
happening. And I mean, I know Christian Wood likes Dallas and maybe they think they can re-sign him in the offseason on some sort of bigger figure, but the whole contract extension thing scares me. And I, I'm in the camp that, you know, I posted this on Twitter, but you just sign him and figure the rest out later or no. you decisively ship him by the deadline. I mean, one of the two, they just, they, I would hate to see them lose him for nothing. And I mean, some fans are largely content with that if it ends up, um, you know, bolstering us to another Western Conference finals or Western Conference semifinals run, um, you know, just to get another year of experience for Luca. you know, you make the argument, oh, Wood's expendable. We can always find another guy like him. Um, it's not as much of an asset play as Brunson. You're not losing as much. There are plenty of bigs out there that can do just what he's doing, blah, blah, blah. Who cares if it gets us to, you know, X point in the uh, regular season. But, you know, if you, if you, my argument to those fans would be, if you have a guy that's carrying you to that level um, or not carrying you essentially, but, you know, helping aid your roster to get to that Western conference finals, um, you know, type of realm, which I don't think this roster by any means has the ability to do, but you I mean last year's roster surprised us when they turned things around. So you never know. Yeah. Um, like if, why wouldn't you want that guy to come back and, you know, just add more around that? I don't know. Um, but I, needless to say is like, I, I think that they should pounce on trying to extend him sooner rather than later or decisively ship him out. I, 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 I know it's like, you know, you can make the argument, Oh, like, let's just wait and see how far you can get us in the playoffs before we decide if we want to pay him or not. But like, I, I just think they have to be decisive. They can't afford to happen. Um, they can't afford what happened with the Brunson situation to happen again, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, you know, in terms of trading Christian Wood by deadline, I think if you're looking in terms of positive assets, he's one of the very few positive assets that the Mavericks have attainable at this time. Um, you know, we listed a number of guys that the Mavericks could possibly target and, you know, would Christian Wood fit in whatever team that is? Uh, that, I mean, you know, who knows? But I think I'm more in the the boat with you where, you know, figure it out uh, or sign them and then we'll figure it out later. Uh, and, you know, sooner rather than later, let's see that happen. But who knows? Uh, you know, this Mavericks front office, we've seen time and time again, uh, you know, the twist, twists and turn, uh, you know, and, and we saw it with the Brunson situation. I hope it's not another Brunson situation where we, you know, lose them for nothing. But again, who knows what Mark Cuban and, Nico Harrison are deciding up there. Uh, who knows? Maybe they have something in store. I, I'm pretty much out of that boat now. I, I could say preseason. Uh, I was hoping for a trade, but I think as the season just sort of dwindles on, I, I just a trade becomes less and less of an option that I see the Mavericks making. Yeah, just because they don't have the assets. Not to say that exactly. like, they wouldn't want to do that, but it's just you know operating under the parameters of the, the sort of construct of this team. It's like what can they do that's really going to move the needle if there's a move to be made out there though i do hope that they make it but you know it's it's shaping up in my opinion to be another disappointing deadline is is uh, kind of bleak and grim as that is to hear unfortunately <laughs> but um we were going to get into our sort of player reviews through um through the first 34 games of the season but we kind of ended up realizing just how long this went that that's going to be it's a pod in itself i think that's definitely something we need to do halfway through the season like seven games from now yeah you know at the official halfway point we'll review how everybody's done so far this season um just because we we dragged this one out but it was some we had some good provocative discussion topics really enjoyed this one um so yeah um we're excited to get this one out start the youtube for those of you guys listening on youtube thank you so much 
um, we're going to go ahead and, um, you know, plug our podcast um, platforms now, of course, as we usually do on the podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Mainstream underscore Mavs. Like and subscribe on YouTube now, you know, Mainstream Mavs Podcast. You can find us on YouTube, of course. Um, comment down below. Um, you know, what, what should we have them comment down below, Jaren? What is um, – predict Luka no, Doncic's stat line in versus the Knicks tonight as Jalen Brunson comes down to Dallas. If you guys are listening before the Knicks game tonight, predict that for us. Um, we're not doing a preview for that game, but, I mean, I think the intensity in the stage is kind of set. And I think that I, – I think it's just self-explanatory. It's a game yeah, that kind of doesn't need a preview, you know. we. I know Jalen Brunson's questionable with the – with uh, some hip soreness, but um, he's a very he's a competitor since um, you know as we long know. as he's been playing basketball, I think he's going to play. I want to dispel any narratives play. that he won't play. Um, but yeah, make sure to uh, you know follow us um, on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, uh, give us a five star rating if you like our content and you deem it applicable. Um, Make sure to follow us on TikTok now. We're now on TikTok. Yeah. We're, we're transcending some options. We're on um, we're mainstream Mavs on um, TikTok. Jaren's going to be running that over there. We're going to be posting some clips. And that may only kind of appeal to the younger audience over here. Um, we got to attract more. Yes, we, we do. <laughs> we are kind of, you know, if you just want to see like little clips and what have you, then definitely go check that out. Um, we'll post sparingly on Instagram too, just kind of plugging on more of our podcast stuff over there. But thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you've made it this far, um, we really do appreciate you guys. And thank you for sticking with us. We're excited to get this YouTube stuff starting out and uh, to continue to expand with you guys. So we will catch you guys after the next game tonight. Three pods in two days. Let's run it. We're averaging 1.5 pods per day after Yay! the next two days. Insane, insane logistics that we're putting up here over at Mainstream Mavs after a week of absence. And we will catch you guys tonight. Had a fun podcast here. Bye-bye.